the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Before the brilliance of the resurrection is the darkness of the tomb. Now, often when we study, we study verse by verse, but I think it would be beneficial to us today to take the passage in sections. I'm going to begin at verse uh, 30. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And that senior pastor, Leighton Sheely, we're in the book of John in the New Testament, and he's taking us down to the 19th chapter as we start this week. I'm Mike Trout, so glad you've joined us. If you'd like to have more information about Church of the Highlands and especially services coming up, well, I'll share those details at the end of the broadcast today in just a few minutes. Or you can go to the website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Our study today begins at chapter 19, verse 31, and these relate to events uh, surrounding Jesus' tomb. Now, I'd like to begin, however, at verse 16 to provide a background for our study today. So they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the Place of the Skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. And so they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Psalm 22. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished! And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, 
And at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he's telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the garden where he was crucified, there was a garden. In the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple. They were both going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there in the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. And he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Death is feared by all. But the good news is that Jesus Christ has conquered death. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. He promised his disciples, because I live, you will live also. And that's why we as believers can join with the Apostle Paul in triumphantly declaring, O death, where's thy victory? O death, where's your sting? Resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most profound event in all of human history. And one of the evidences of that resurrection is the empty tomb. Now, should the Lord tarry next week, we want to look at some of the study. We want to study some of the passages that address Jesus' post-resurrection appearances. But in our study today, we read about the discovery of Jesus' empty tomb. Before the brilliance of the resurrection is the darkness of the tomb. Now, often when we study, we study verse by verse. But I think it would be beneficial to us today to take the passage in sections. I'm going to begin at verse uh, 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, that the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. 
He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. William Barclay wrote, the Jews were more merciful than the Romans. When the Romans carried out a crucifixion under their own customs, the victim was left to die on the cross. He might hang there for days in the heat of the scorching midday sun and the cold of the desert night, tortured by thirst and tortured by the gnats and flies crawling in the open wounds on his torn back. Often men went raving mad on their crosses. Nor did the Romans bury the bodies of crucified criminals. They simply let the vultures and crows and wild dogs feed on them. The Jewish law was different. It laid down in Deuteronomy, if a man has committed a crime punishable by death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. On this occasion, it was even more important that the body should not be allowed to hang on the crosses overnight because the next day was the Sabbath and not just any Sabbath, but the Sabbath of the Passover. Now, most scholars believe that Jesus was crucified on Friday the day before the Sabbath, or the day of preparation, Saturday would have been the day of Sabbath, and that would have begun, by Jewish reckoning, at sundown Friday evening. In Matthew twelve forty, Jesus said, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, the Jewish people counted any part of a day as constituting a day. So Jesus needed to be buried while it was still Friday so he could be in the tomb for three days, part of Friday afternoon, Saturday, and part of Sunday morning. Now, the Romans employed a rather grim method of dispatching criminals who lingered. Their leg bones were smashed by a sledgehammer like mallet. In in addition to experiencing the blunt force trauma of that, The legs were no longer available to push up, so the person couldn't breathe, and they would die slowly of asphyxiation. That was done to the other criminals who were crucified with Jesus, but it wasn't done to Jesus because he was already dead. Now, the record of this this incident is specific to this gospel. It indicates that the death of Jesus took place rather quickly, uh, especially more quickly than in the case of the others who were crucified with him. And John sees that this is a fulfillment of an Old Testament passage because in Numbers 9.12 it was laid down that a Passover lamb was not to have any of its bones broken. And John saw Jesus as the Passover lamb of God. You remember how John the Baptist introduced Jesus, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When the soldiers saw that Jesus was already dead, they didn't break his limbs with a mallet, but one of them, in order to make sure that Jesus was dead, thrust a spear into his side, out of which flowed blood and water. John attaches special importance to that as a fulfillment of yet another Old Testament prophecy found in Zechariah 12.10, which reads, "...they look on him whom they have pierced." Jesus quoted this verse in the Olivet Discourse. However, he stressed a different part of it. Now, authors have suggested several interpretations of John's attention upon the blood and water. 
One of those interpretations is that it is associated with the two sacraments. But according to Dr. James Montgomery Boyce, the problem with this interpretation is that the early church did not use water to signify baptism or blood to signify the Lord's Supper. Those associations came later in church history. I hope you can join us tomorrow when we come back with more here on Study Verse by Verse and pick up right where we've left off with Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's going to continue in the 19th chapter of John and move into the 20th chapter before the week's over. Sanctuary service times on this upcoming Easter weekend are at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., 1 p.m., and 5 p.m. And please make sure you register for a service time by calling the church at 650-873-4095. That's very important. Or send an email to connect at highlands.us. All of those details are on the website for the church, highlands.us. Again, that's highlands.us. And you will find some additional helpful information about this coming weekend right there on the website. Again, the phone number is 650-873-4095. I'm Mike Trout. Have a blessed rest of your day. And join us tomorrow when we'll come back at this same time and study, once again, the Word of God, verse by verse.